Welcome to Daily Defining Moments. This is Pastor Allen, and I'm so glad you're with me. Our goal each day is to help you open your Bible and connect with Jesus. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We're reading through the New Testament portion of the one-year Bible in the New Living Translation. Today is October 6th, and our reading comes from Colossians chapter 2. Beginning in verse 8, Paul says this, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies, high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. Boy, I'd love to read that verse to every student in the public education system today. I think sometimes as believers, as Christians, the world tries to communicate to us, especially through the educational system, that we're just a bunch of idiots and that believing in Christ is foolishness and it's a fairy tale and and we have the truth over here in academia. And the truth is Jesus is the truth. And in Christ, all the fullness of God dwelt in bodily form. And we can put our hope on the person, the work, the truth of Christ and not get called up, not be deceived by these high-sounding arguments, these high-sounding intellectuals. In fact, you might not know this. This is so encouraging, I think, to understand, is that throughout history and still today, the vast majority of intellectuals claim faith in Christ. It's only a loud minority who gives everybody else the impression that believing in Christ means check your brain at the door. That's just not true. The evidence for Christ, the evidence for the gospel, the evidence for creation, the evidence for the word of God, man, the intellectuals. In fact, let me give you this little snippet of information that's just fascinating to me. The Nobel Peace Prize prizes are awarded every year to uh, some of the world's great thinkers who are uh, creating all these breakthroughs that help humanity. Well, in the history of the awards, 65% of the awards have gone to believers. Isn't that amazing? 65%. 20% of the awards have gone to Jewish men and women. So out of all of the awards, more than 80% of them, the intellectuals, the great minds in our world, they were believers in Christ or believers in the, in the God of the Old Testament, right? And uh, so that's such a beautiful, I think, for, uh, for us to understand. In fact, I've got this book on my desk. It's a great book. I was talking to a group of people about it yesterday. It's called The Faith of the Fatherless. The subtitle is The Psychology of Atheism. And what they discovered, what this psychologist discovered is, is when you look at the great atheists throughout history, what you discover is their rejection of God has to do with their own personal baggage and their father wounds and their family dynamics. It's true with pretty much without exception. It's a fascinating book that goes through the life story of all these great atheists. And what you discover is that when our heart is whole and our mind is open, then we discover the truth and Jesus is the truth. And so do not allow any high-sounding intellectual person calls you to doubt your faith. Listen, Jesus 
is the truth. Okay, let me move on. Verse 11, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, not with a physical procedure, but Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, cutting away your sinful nature. When you were baptized with Christ, you were baptized and raised to new life because you trusted in the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. So when I trusted in Christ, I died to my old life. I died to my sinful nature, and I was resurrected through baptism into new life in Christ. Verse 13, you were dead because of your sins, because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away, but God made you alive with Christ and he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us, took it away by nailing it to the cross. In the same way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Woo, man, what a great verse, right? So Jesus nailed our sin to the cross, and Jesus defeated every spiritual power and authority that has raised itself against Christ and against us. The victory is ours because we are in Christ and because of all that Christ has done for us. Verse 16, so don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbath, for these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. All of that was pointing to Christ. And now that Christ has come, we are free. For these rules are only shadows, he says. Verse 18, don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying they've had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud. They're not connected to Christ, the head of the body, for he holds the whole body together and its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. Oh, my goodness, this is so important. It's so easy to get caught up in religious culture right, where we are into being pious and self-denial and, and kind of punishing in ourselves to appear more religious and spiritual. And Paul says, all of that is unnecessary. Jesus has finished the work. And what Jesus is inviting us into is a life, abundant life, a blessed life, a full and rich life in Christ. In fact, I love the fact that in John's gospel, chapter two, Jesus's first miracle, is a wedding celebration where he turns water into wine, where he takes an average party and makes it outstanding. And what Jesus is announcing is that I have come to bring new abundant life. I am the Lord of the harvest, the Lord of the celebration, the banquet, and I'm inviting you into my banquet of love. I love that picture, right? And that's what Paul is describing here. So let's not get bogged down and defeated and beat up by religion. Let's learn to enjoy and to celebrate all that we have in Christ and live that way in our world. Verse 20, you have died with Christ and he set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world? Such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong development, pious self-denial, severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. What conquers our evil desires? The work of Christ. Jesus, when we trust in Christ, we receive a new heart. We receive a new identity. We stand before him without fault. And that produces in us 
a desire to serve and to honor and to please him. And his spirit comes to live inside of us. We're given the truth of God's word. We're placed in a new family, the body of Christ. And all of this is working to produce his life and his kingdom in us so that we can experience abundant life. It's not found in religion, in self-denial and abusing ourselves. It's found in celebrating and entering into all that Jesus is offering us. And again, this goes back to why we have to be careful that we're not so caught up in the world and the culture that we're missing out on this rich and abundant life that Jesus came to offer us. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for this word. So encouraging. I'm so grateful for all that you've done, all that you're offering us, all that you're inviting us into. God, I pray that we'd all had the courage today to step into it, to trust you. God, to trust you. Lord, help us not to be so distracted by this world that we're missing out on your very best. Lord, we love you and bless you. Thank you for being so generous and good to us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for being with me today. I hope that encourages you. You remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We'll see you again tomorrow.